thanks to our sponsor, ShareGate. Microsoft Teams can be a great tool for your organization. That is, before your users make your environment messier than eating a hard shell taco. And that's where ShareGate comes in. Their user-friendly tools automate the tedious daily tasks involved in migrating, managing, and securing Microsoft Teams so that you can maintain a safe and productive environment without locking it down. Head over to ShareGate.com for your free 30-day trial and transform the way that you manage your Microsoft Teams. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 427. Today, learn about two more epic Microsoft Azure vulnerabilities. Recorded live September the 16th, 2021. This episode is brought to you by Raygun. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software. And what makes it so unique is that not only it tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit raygun.com to resolve issues faster and to deliver flawless digital experiences to your users. That's raygun.com to get started on your 14-day free trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month. Back to the show. Good day, everybody. This is Andrew. I am flying solo today without my trusty sidekick, CJ. CJ is away for a, a business thing that took him, out of, uh, took him out of town, took him away kind of at the last minute that he had to go address. And unfortunately, due to some timing with both of us having different plans this past week and going through the weekend and stuff, it was going to be quite challenging for us to record, but not just record our podcast in a conversation, but to do it where at least both of us were in a, uh, a good environment. Like, for example, you probably don't want to hear us doing a podcast when one of us is driving a car for um, many, many hours. So instead, we had a bunch of news, a handful of news things that we wanted to cover this week, and we decided to go ahead and, and to record the episode just solo with me to share some of this news with you because some of it was a little too important to sit on. Now, thankfully, don't worry, there's nothing that you're going to really have to do here. Everything is all taken care of for us if you're an Azure developer. But I do want to call out two uh, pretty important Azure vulnerabilities that were disclosed or uh, discovered in this past week. One of them is quite serious. It's quite a big one. So I would definitely want to call that out for you. Now, before we really dive into the show, though, I do want to have a bit of a call out here to a big event that's happened in this past week. So by the time you hear this, hopefully everything will have gone completely to as planned. But I'm recording this on Friday or on Thursday. This is the day prior or the day after SpaceX's Inspiration4 launch, successfully launched and put four civilians, non-astronauts, into orbit in space. So this was the, the very first civilian miss it, mission. I guess you could kind of call it space tourism. There's a little bit of a debate about that. But this is the first time that civilians have been put in space into orbit. So, you know, you heard CJ and I talk about the Virgin Galactic and Richard Branson's company, as well as Jeff Bezos's company, Blue Origin, where they both in July of 2021, they both sent up their vehicles and took a couple tourists with them or took a couple uh, uh, passengers with them and took them to space for a couple minutes. I'm not discounting either what either one of them did. Those are huge accomplishments there. But what SpaceX has done is something very different. What 
someone has done, uh, a gentleman by the name of Jared Isaacson, has uh, he funded the entire mission and picked three other people to go with him. And now he didn't pick them. They actually defined the criteria. And then there was a, a group of people that evaluated different people, different candidates. And they chose them uh, independent of Jared making the selection. Jared just funded the entire thing and made this possible. And what's neat about it too, is that it's also being used as a massive fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So I think that they had raised something on the magnitude of 20 to $30 million on the campaign leading up to the launch. On the day of the of the launch, on the day of the launch, they also generated an additional five hundred thousand dollars for people watching the launch live on Thursday. And then we've got uh, there's additional funding that they're going to be raising as well from a bunch of auctions and stuff of items that went to space with them. Last night the launch went off pretty much perfectly without a hitch. There's been a lot of really great pictures on that we've seen um, that have been shared by lots of people. Me personally, I live about 240 miles north of Cape Canaveral in Florida. And it was by far, well, it was probably right up there with like one other launch in terms of the best launch I've been able to see with the naked eye for my driveway, my front yard. One was way back when the space shuttle was still flying. But last night's was just incredible. Not only could you see the uh, stage one and stage two throughout the entire ascent. But we could also see Jupiter and Saturn and the moon all lined up. And then what was really cool, for the first time, I was able to see the stage one booster do the boost back burn. And you could see when the little gas uh, nozzles were being used for to help kind of maneuver the booster back when it was coming back for its landing. You could see all those little things showing up, the gas being, I guess, what do you say, like spit out or something. We could see that from the ground. It's granted, it's a little grainy, but it's an I got an iPhone video of it. And I posted that onto uh, to Instagram and shared it on Twitter in case anybody wants to see that. So I'm only going to include a couple links here around the Inspiration4 launch. There's the launch that happened or the main website. There's the launch that was on YouTube in the four hours leading up to it. And then as well, a Twitter handle by a guy named John Cross Photos. John Cross is, is a, or Krauss, is a young photographer that has just done an amazing job. And he was like the main photographer to document this launch yesterday and just got some really cool pictures in there. So just something that I thought was you know really cool wanted to, uh, that I wanted to share that was interesting to me. But with that being said, let's go ahead and let's dive into the meat of the show. This episode is sponsored by Geomont. Have you thought about adding contact center capabilities into your existing Microsoft Teams user base? If so, take advantage of our promo to add BuzzEasy Contact Center for Teams from Geomonk and get your first month subscription for free. It's a complete omni-channel experience that works seamlessly with Teams Voice. BuzzEasy was developed with best practices in Azure and offers a rich, easy-to-use experience. Geomonk is a Microsoft Gold partner and part of the technology adoption program and their BuzzEasy chatbots. And we're back. Microsoft Teams has been chosen as a preferred solution on the Microsoft App Store. See the show notes for details around our special offer. And we're back. All right, the first thing that we want to run through, I've got a handful or about three or four of uh, what's new in Microsoft 365 straight from me the uh, Message Center for some updates that have come out recently. So two of them are fairly new things. Two of them are changes to old things. The new one that we've got here is first, this is Message Center 282545. And again, the, the Message Center IDs and these titles will be in the show notes. So if you're driving your car, don't worry about stopping to try and write these down, figure them out. Just if you subscribe to our newsletter, 
we send these, uh, we'll send this all the stuff to you as well as it'll be listed in our show notes. So for this one, this first one, which is message center ID number 282545, this is insights in Microsoft 365 are gonna become uh, part of Microsoft Viva. So in the coming months, what Microsoft is really gonna start rolling out their Microsoft Viva product and brand. And what they're doing is they're gonna be taking their My Analytics Digest email, the Insights Outlook add-in, all of those are gonna be updated to reflect the Microsoft Viva brand. So this is gonna start happening in September for targeted release tenants and expected to be complete by the end of November for everybody, for the standard release stuff. So what kinds of things can you expect from this? So as this change starts rolling out, you're gonna see the following things. You'll see a briefing email that currently surfaces important reminders from Cortana is gonna expand to also include personal productivity and well-being insights, learning recommendations, and more to help them prepare for, help your users prepare for the day and the week ahead. This is gonna be delivered to your inbox early in the day from Viva. The next thing is the My Analytics Digest email, which surfaces important insights to help you like improve your work habits over time. These things are gonna change to where they're gonna show up at the start of the month from Viva. They're gonna have a new subject that's gonna say your, it's gonna be called your monthly digest. And they're gonna reflect on its new monthly cadence to complement the daily briefing that I just talked about a minute ago. The third one is insights, the Insights Outlook add-in is gonna get a, a new branding. Uh, it's gonna be retitled Viva Insights because that's gonna complement the Viva Insights brand or an app that we have inside Microsoft Teams. The Viva Insights homepage is gonna also be discoverable at insights.viva.office.com as well as inside the Microsoft 365 app launcher in office.com. This is gonna replace the My Analytics icon that we've currently got. So those are all the main updates there that I wanted to share. Again, that's the insights in Microsoft 365 are gonna become part of Microsoft Viva. The next one that I have for you is the message center ID 284259. And this is Microsoft Forms is gonna have a new app called Polls in Microsoft Teams. They're gonna start rolling this out, start rolling this out and then moving in Microsoft Teams meetings, and then they're gonna to move to Teams chat in mid-October. They should be finished around the end of November is what they're sharing right now. So the original Forms app is gonna be retired from the Teams meetings in mid-November, and it'll then be retired from the Teams chat at the end of December. Once it's been retired from both meetings and chat, the Forms, app's only gonna be, the Forms app is only gonna be available in the Teams channel tab to provide survey capabilities, all right? So this is all gonna be, uh, it's just changing to a new app called Polls that's gonna start rolling out over the next, over October and November. Now, two kind of legacy-ish things. First one's about Yammer. This is uh, Message Center 2839.12, and this is a change to their public links API. This is gonna happen on December the 1st of 2021. So what we've had is that Previously, there was, in Yammer, we have these things called open graph objects. And previously, only one open graph object in each Yammer network was available for each absolute URL. So now there are gonna be multiple open graph objects, always referred to, referred to as OGOs, that are gonna exist because the new change is gonna create one OGO per message and that the URL is attached to. So the OGOs, so the big thing is, is that on, on December the 1st, 
all of these Open Graph objects will be associated with only the message that it's attached to. The links in the messages associated with them are only visible to users who have access to the conversations to the Open Graph object that they were a part of. So the APIs are going to change a little bit. There's a couple things that you're going to need to pay attention to here. I'm not going to go through each one of these, but in the message center, it does call out the three main things. Things like if you were doing a post for message.json, if you were doing a get for messages slash open group objects with the ID of the message.json, and then there's another one for getting the open graph objects from a specific endpoint. So you should be aware of those because if you're using any of those things, you need to make sure you update your code. You got about two and a half months or so before those changes take effect. So you want to make sure that you take advantage of that, uh, of this news and update your code so you don't get caught off guard and have things breaking on you. The last one that I've got is Message Center 284624. And this is that Microsoft is retiring Excel PowerView. This is a Silverlight component inside this is PowerView used use Silverlight as something as a one of the parts of PowerView. And so uh, PowerView is actually being retired because Silverlight's no longer really a, a thing that's being used. It's going to start to be, it's going to not be supported starting on October the 12th. So in about a month from now, a little less than a month. And so what they're doing is that they're going to start to also um, start the process of retiring PowerView from uh, Microsoft 365. So as an alternative, Microsoft is saying they recommend using Power BI Desktop, which is where they're going to continue to invest all the development resources. All right, so that's everything for the Message Center that I wanted to cover in this cover this week. So now it's time for us to switch over and to start talking about the news. This podcast is brought to you by Orchestry. Don't be fooled. Microsoft Teams and SharePoint are difficult. Microsoft Teams, when simply turned on, can be unruly and yield endless sprawl. SharePoint causes constant frustration with user interface and permissioning challenges. End the chaos and harness the full power of Microsoft Teams, SharePoint Online, and Microsoft 365 with Orchestry. Orchestry is the work-made simple platform that empowers end users through controlled self-service provisioning while delivering the actionable insights and lifecycle management your IT administrators need to enable remote and hybrid work productivity without locking down the powerful capabilities of Microsoft Teams and SharePoint Online. See why so many are claiming Orchestry to be the must-have Microsoft Teams management tool of 2021. Get your free access to Orchestry with full featured trial at orchestry.com and tell them the Microsoft Cloud Show sent you to get the all the friends of the show perks. And now back to the show. All right, so now let's go ahead and dive into the news. Now, there's a couple things I'm gonna run through quick and then we're gonna talk about these two big Azure compromises. We'll talk about those at the end because there's a lot more stuff there. So first, Microsoft has announced the registration site or registration for Microsoft Ignite Fall 2021 is now open and available. So I've registered, got myself my first hotel option. Just kind of kidding there. This is a full virtual event. So it's completely virtual and uh, the, the Microsoft is sticking with their whole virtual story for all their events for now in light of the pandemic. So hopefully 2022 will be able to, you know, things will get better in the United States and uh, we'll have a, a better story and be able to get together in person again at some of these big events. The next two bits of news that I have are two things around Microsoft 365. So the first one is, is that we've got an article from Petri where Viva Connections is coming very soon as a public preview for Microsoft Viva 
connections. I believe this is coming towards the end of the month, the end of September. So we're getting really, really close to this. I don't think they've set a specific date yet, but we are. it looks like it's most likely going to be all signs are pointing that this is going to be coming at the end of September, beginning of October, where everybody can try out Viva Connections. And again, Viva Connections is really just bringing your SharePoint Online intranet and bringing it inside of Teams as an app. And it does a unification of the app launcher as well with some customization options. We're seeing the last betas and hopefully a release candidate and a GA release of the SharePoint framework version 1.13, which gives us the ability to do customizations and extensions for Viva Connections. In fact, the SharePoint framework is the only way that you can customize Viva Connections, even though it's living inside of Teams. The next one that I want to touch on here is something called the Office Long-Term Servicing Channel. It's called Microsoft Office LTSC. Now, Microsoft mentioned this, that they were going to do this earlier this year when they shipped a preview of it. They are now officially announcing the general availability of a perpetual version of Office for commercial and government customers. So we won't be having these like specific releases of these different versions. This is going to be coming out and it's coming out very, it's now going to be available to us as a, as a complete GA. So if you're interested for uh, in getting this for um, commercial and government volume license customers today, you can visit the Office LSTC overview page which is listed in the show notes and the link on the, the blog post from the Microsoft 365 blog. I've got that in the show notes. They're also, talk, in, this, in this press release, they're also mentioning that both Project and Visio are also uh, generally available today and the consumer perpetual offering for Office, which is Office 2021, that's going to go GA on October the 5th. And they just say more details will be coming about this in the future. All right, now let's see. There's one more thing that I wanted to that I wanted to cover here with Azure before we dive into these two big security issues here. The first one is around Cosmos DB. Nope, this is not the security issue that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which was Chaos DB, which allowed us to have a way to to get the the keys for our Azure environment, our Azure Cosmos DBs using a, a compromised Jupyter notebook. What this is, is that Azure Function extension, Azure Functions extension version four is now in public preview. It's based on the latest version, uh, version three of the Azure Cosmos DB.NET SDK, and it allows you to authenticate with Azure AD and removes a dependency using the primary key. That might be something that's a little bit fast forwarded after we saw the Chaos DB thing. They may push this up a little bit further. It also simplifies NuGet dependencies since support for the change feed processor is built in the SDK instead of it being a separate package. So if you're using the latest version of the SDK, that means you no longer have to worry about mismatched versions between the SDK and that one extension. All right. So that's everything that I wanted that I wanted to cover here. When this first comes out or when the extension first comes out, it'll first only be available for people who are using the Azure Functions Elastic Premium Plan but it's going to then be available for everybody else within just a couple months. All right, now for the scary stuff here. This is these are two big I would consider these two fairly big Azure vulnerabilities. One is around Azure Container Instances and one is around Azure Linux Virtual Machines, which is the number one which is a majority of the virtual machines inside of Azure are all Linux-based virtual machines. Both of these things have been patched, but you want to make sure that the stuff that your your virtual machines are not still vulnerable 
or that you're running a container in ACI that is still vulnerable. The things have been fixed, but you may have to make sure that stuff is done to make sure that you're not vulnerable. There is no evidence in either of these instances that anybody has been compromised by these in the wild. These are both research projects that found these issues and disclosed them to Microsoft. Microsoft jumped on it right away and fixed the problems right away. But just because there's no evidence thus far doesn't mean that someone has been compromised by these things. So this is stuff that you should be, you definitely should be aware of. Now I'm going to talk about the, the first one around the Linux VMs. I'm going to talk about this one first because I think this is a much bigger deal. At least it sure got the, the legs under this. And I will also tell you, this is also a little bit dis disconcerting. It doesn't shake my confidence in Azure, but it sure doesn't look good for Azure because we've had a couple of these like epic vulnerabilities been disclosed in the last couple of weeks. So this first one was disclosed by, by Wiz. Now, if you remember, Wiz is the same one that found and disclosed the Cosmos DB issue that they found a little while ago. The title of this one is called OMI God. So, Omi God. It's about a secret agent that exposes Azure customers to unauthorized code execution. And what we understand too is that as of the time of me recording this, some services have not been fixed and there are still some vulnerable OMI versions that are still deployed with these new Linux VMs. So you do, if you're using Linux VMs, if you've used them in the past, if you're using them now, if you create a new one right now, you still want to make sure that these are all, that you're, that you are taking care of and that things are all patched up for you. So let's go ahead and let's, let me explain what this is. So this is a zero day vulnerability. There's a couple different CVEs that have been issued for this. Let me explain what this is and then some of the things that kind of touch on this. So there's this thing called OMI. And what OMI is, is it's the open management infrastructure that is really embedded with many popular Azure services. And what Microsoft uses it for is they've defined a way, they've, they've created a centralized way or a common way to do monitoring and inspection of different Azure resources. It could be virtual machines, it could be things like containers, it could be web apps, all different kinds of things. So OMI is a very common, is, a very, is something that is, is very ubiquitous inside of Microsoft. The problem that they had, what the attack service had with this, is that the OMI agent, the, like, it all comes down to one, to one thing that makes this such a big deal. And that is that to be able to get visibility into performance and telemetry and stuff on a system, the OMI agents that are installed in these different services, these all run with as root with the highest privileges. So a user can communicate with it using a Unix socket or via an HTTP API when it's configured to allow for external, external access. So as a result, when this company found these vulnerabilities, it found that it would allow external users or a low privilege user to remotely execute uh, code on target machines and or escalate privileges. So three of the four zero-day vulnerabilities they found are privileged escalation vulnerabilities and they enable the attacker to gain the highest privileges of a machine with OMI installed. So you're like, okay, you know, that's a big deal. The other one, the, the fourth vulnerability, the most serious one, it's got a severity score of 9.8 out of 10, allows remote code execution and it, it, has, it does so because some Azure products, including things like configuration management, expose a port for interacting with OMI, as, and that's what makes the, the remote code execution vulnerability possible. Most Azure services that use OMI, they deploy it 
but they don't expose this port. So that means that they're not going to be as as bad as uh, as exposed. But in situations where it is exposed to the internet, it allows for remote management. And this vulnerability can be also be used by attackers to obtain initial access to a target Azure environment, and then they can laterally move throughout the environment. So how does that happen? This is almost kind of crazy that, that, that this got by. So the way this really happens is that when someone goes to, to go log in or connect to the OMI agent, they submit a request or an HTTP post over to the authentication process in OMI to go authenticate. And they include in an authorization header in their HTTP request a valid password to be able to connect to it. So it's you just do the authorization is the header is the header name and the value is basic space and then whatever the password is that you have to be able to connect to it. OMI responds to the authentication piece with the user's ID and their GUID or in a, their what's called the GID. So the user ID and the and the GID, those are two IDs that are going to be passed back. And then it also passes in things like groups and stuff like that. Well, what that does is that's going to essentially authenticate the user and it defines who the user is and what permissions they have. But here's the crazy thing. Somebody who is a malicious attacker, what they could do when they go to authenticate with the OMI agent, if they just leave off the author authorization header, the OMI agent responds back with the UID and the GID values set to zero. And that effectively is, that's the default for saying that someone is root. That's scary. That makes the, that lets them be like turn into God mode with the OMI agent. And then, as I said, they could then move laterally throughout your Azure environment. Really scary. It's a big concern with this. The thing that they the thing that, that they kind of highlight with this is that the OMI initiative and the OMI agent, it's open source software. There are only 20. So the question is: well, how in the world did this get by? When there's only been a history of like, I think that I think the article said something like there's only 20 people who have been contributors to this project. With so few contributors, how could this have gotten by a security review and been released out there? It's a good question. And so they're raising an issue about if it's been misused, you know, if is open source now becoming more of a security risk. One of the benefits of open source is that it's easy for developers to grab the code from different projects and mix it with other open source and proprietary software. But as a result, if there's bad code, it can wind up in an enormous range of products and services, and inadvertently, it turns into a single point of failure. So customers don't know what Franken code is running in the background of the services they use, and they remain at risk and unaware. Now, you hear this, and you're like going, okay, so how does this affect me? Well, if you remember in the, at the beginning of this, I said something about it being a secret agent. This OMI agent that's installed, this is not something that you install in your Linux VM. Instead, when you use certain Azure services, things like Azure Automation, Automatic Update, Operations Management Suite, or OMS, Log Analytics, which is part of App Insights, Configuration Management, Azure Diagnostics, Azure Container Insights. This isn't a full list, but that's a list of a bunch of them. All of those things install the OMI agent, and they do it. The article says they do it secretly. I think it's it's probably a little bit more fair. Secretly kind of makes it sound like it's a nefarious thing. It's really that they're installed, but they don't make you aware of that they're actually installing it. It's just a prereq that these guys need, and they go ahead and install it. Well, the thing that, that Wiz found was that the agent that was being installed was an old version with well-known vulnerabilities in it that had not been patched. So, 
There's stuff inside the article that I'm going to link to in the show notes. Talks about commands that you can run on your Azure VMs to see if you have the OMI agent is late, is updated to the latest version. There's the command that you run if you're on a Debian system. So for example, if you're using like Ubuntu, you just run the command dpkg-l space OMI. If you're on a Red Hat system like Fedora or CentOS or RHEL, you can do RPM space dash QA space OMI. If OMI is not installed, no results are going to come back and you're not vulnerable. If results do come back, you need to be able to see what version of OMI is installed. The version 1.6.8.1 or higher is the patched version. So that's what you want to do. So Microsoft released the patched OMI version that's 1.6.8.1. It's Microsoft advises customers to manually upgrade it to see if it's required. They've got steps here in the article to explain how to do it. And then furthermore, if your OMI is listening on ports 5985, 5986, or 1270, it's recommended to advise limiting network access to those ports immediately to protect from the RCA while you're checking all of your VMs. Okay, that's one of the big vulnerabilities. That's the, that's the really big one. The other one that I wanted to cover here is one called, let's see, how did, how did they pronounce this? It's one called Azure Scape. This is related to Azure Container Instances or ACI. If you remember what ACI is, this is the Container as a Service offering from from Azure. Um, It enables customers to run containers on Azure without managing the underlying servers. What this group called Unit 42 did is they figured out and they recently identified an issue that they disclosed to Microsoft um, in ACI that enabled an Azure user to exploit the issue to execute code on other users' containers. So maybe you could you know, steal customer secrets, or you could steal customers' images that were deployed to the platform, or maybe even abuse ACI's infrastructure for crypto mining. So effectively what this is, is that there is a, a command or a, a tool called RunC, and RunC is a, it's an old tool, it's been around for a while, but there's some known vulnerabilities in it. And what it does is that the older vulnerabilities allow you to escape out of the container that you're currently in. So first, the attacker has to break out of their ACI container. The second thing that they can then do is they gain administrative privileges over a multi-tenant Kubernetes cluster. So if your Azure Container Instance is running on a Kubernetes cluster, then you could be vulnerable to this. And then once they've gained administrative privileges over a multi-tenant cluster, they can then take control of all the impacted containers by running malicious code. The way that they did this, they, they created this container image that reads the container runtime that executes it. It's based on a rarely discussed design flaw in Linux containers that allows them to read the underlying host container runtime. So there's a bunch of old way you could do that where you could actually overwrite the host runtime and stuff if you read it. What they did is that when they deployed it to ACI, they were able to retrieve the container runtime using the platform. And they weren't too surprised when they found this thing called run C, which is the industry standard for the container runtime. But what caught them off guard was the version. And the version is 1.0.0.0-RC2. That was released on October the 1st, five years ago, 2016, and is vulnerable to at least two known breakout uh, container breakout CVEs. This organization, Unit 42, they analyzed and they actually made it aware back in 2019, and those things were actually f- resolved. Once these, these guys 
discovered the old version of RunC and ACI. They took the proof of concept container image they developed, polished it up and deployed it to ACI, and they successfully broke out of the container and gained a reverse shell running as root on the underlying host. And that just happened to be a Kubernetes node. What does that mean? When you think about it, once you do that, you can then jump over to any other container that's running inside of that Kubernetes cluster because you're now running as admin. So there are commands in here where you can that you can run. You can see if this is going if this affects you. You can see if it's things that have been patched in your environment if you're running Azure Container Instances. But it's just stuff that you should be aware of. Kind of some scary stuff here. It's almost like the you see this like little like leakage kind of going on inside of Azure, and they got to figure out what's going on with some of these different issues and making sure they do like a. I, seems to me like a security review or code review of some of this stuff should be inspected. But I mean, we've got we've already seen uh, Cosmos DB have one that was a configuration was not secure by default. We now have a underlying issue with ACI. That's not something that we have done. It's something that that was deployed by default and an issue with OMI on Linux containers that are being used. So it looks like a, a top-to-bottom security view may be warranted here. All right, that's everything that I wanted to cover in the news this week. I've got one more thing I want to cover with you, which is a pick. ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. All right, CJ's not here, but I still felt like we had to do a pick. I got to keep it like a regular show as much as I possibly can here. So I know that there's a lot of people that listen to our show that do development with older technologies. I'm not talking about you VB developers. I'm talking about those of you who are Fortran developers, which I wouldn't be too surprised if I'm actually speaking to nobody that listens to our show right now. But just in case you are a Fortran developer, you see all these people talking about web apps and all that stuff. And it's like, man, I wish I could do some of that stuff as well. Well, guess what? If you go to Fortran.io, that's my link for this week or my pick for this week. This is a web framework for Fortran. Fortran is foundational to a lot of the languages that we use today. It's never really left us. Still runs a lot of our mainframes. Here we go. I got a way of actually doing it now. So you can install this very easily. And then you can start building up a web app. And there's even an MVC framework that you can use if you have not worked with, if you've never done anything with Fortran to kind of get you up to speed. It's pretty cool. This is all open source, available for you to go take a look at what this stuff is, how this stuff works. A um, bunch of links on GitHub. So definitely go take a look at it. It's kind of cool. Kind of cool thing there. All right. So that is everything that I wanted to cover this week with you. Got two big Azure vulnerabilities that we talked about, plus a whole bunch of other news. And for those of you who are still Fortran developers, you can create an ASP or you can create an MVC web app, uh, based web app using Fortran now. And with that, that's everything that I wanted to cover in episode 427. Hopefully next week, we got CJ back with us and we will continue on with the Microsoft Cloud Show. Thanks a lot for joining us today and I hope everyone has a great rest of the week. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find out about our show and grow the audience, and we would really appreciate it. If you got a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or an MP3 and provide a link to it so that we can play your question on the show. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website, microsoftcloudshow.com. You'll get notices of each new episode as well as the show notes sent directly to you each week. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.